Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, Episode 50, March 11th, 2023. So glad you could make it. considered a frog cast instead of a podcast because my frog voice get it i realized after i played back the uh episode 49 from last week that in the introduction i just went straight from welcome to dt madness to what day it was or what episode it was and i didn't even mention that it was the chronicles from the third life i left that out of the tagline last week and so i have to say it again chronicles from the third life of course if you're new to the podcast then the third life indicates kind of my third 20 years is kind of how i view it not uh exactly but uh first half of life kind of before i met sarah then uh, sarah and i've been together for around 20 years and then around Maybe when I was 42, 43, I began to make some significant lifestyle changes and um, just took on some different pathways that I've kind of considered as my as my third life. So DT Madness is Chronicles from the Third Life. Also forgot as uh, my entry into the Church of Six hymn book. Um, I only had one entry for last week, and I forgot it, and so I'm just going to go with it this week, and that is Lie in Our Graves by uh, Dave Matthews Band, and this is the recording from 2000, I apologize, it's from the Saratoga Performing Arts Center in 2000, I can't remember which live tracks that is, Um, but if you look up live tracks, if you have Apple Music or whatever, if you can find the live tracks albums from Dave Matthews, the one from 2000 Saratoga Performing Arts Center, SPAC, if you're, you know, hip to the jive. But there's a 18 minute or so lie in our graves on that, and of course the lyrics are, are powerful. You know, why are we gonna, we're not gonna sit here in our graves and wonder if we should have lived a little bit more. You know, kinda. Um. Did we spend our living days well? And that's a good sentiment for me as as I look to let go of, of this grip of, of fear and, and uh, kind of being locked up um, and, and try to have this life that is before me and live it. But even more than that, there's, you know, at about the three minute mark, the instrumentals begin and at first, there's about a five or three or four minute fiddle violin solo, and and but kind of mixed in with the with the saxophones or whatever horns are going on. And then about nine minutes in, uh, Butch Taylor kicks in with uh, just a beautiful, just a beautiful piano solo, and I love the piano. It 
man, I don't know. Like, if you could play one instrument, what would it be? I tried to play piano one time, but they try the people try to tell me that in order to read music, you got to be able to see the top line and the bottom line at the same time, and that's not real. You can't do that. That's not even a real thing. So I didn't learn how to play piano, but I love a good piano solo and any type of just beautiful ambient almost you know jam or solo it's why i love fish it's why i love the dead you know like that that doesn't engage the lyrical mind as much as it does whatever other mind that is so anyway if you if you're familiar with the song or if you're not if you want to put it on and have it in the background for the next several minutes that's the that's the entry uh the background music perhaps for for today's episode um Today's episode that I, I think is a return to wonder. I mentioned in episode 46 that I was, that sometimes I try to dabble in writing a little bit. Uh, I think I might, I'm just more of a podcaster. So we'll see if I ever actually write it all down. But, but, but I had written something like this, that at the beginning of life, there was a place, a time and existence of pleasure and delight. A time when pain was folded into existence and not seen as an enemy, a place that was pristine. In this land, the fluffy piles of sawdust that were remnants of love and service were joyfully morphed in the blink of an eye into drifts of snow that led pathways to celebrations. There was a garden that was tended with care where the life that burst forth became the audience for our epic battles of play in our very own field of dreams. People drifted in, people of all different backgrounds and colors, black, white, red, green. They drifted in on the wind to share in this bountiful existence. Sandy suntans and crawdads, the orange skewer in a fondue pot. Music like wind chimes or angelic trumpets or like the soft mutter of rolling dice. Music that sent out its notes into the air and allowed us to ride along, hands and feet hanging freely. But as in the original story, there comes a time when the knowledge of good and evil takes that magic and casts it away where the fantastic existence of bush forts and weapons, named weapons of a child used to protect his glorious realm, those names hidden now. The shadows come at different times in different places for each of us, but they do come. For me, there was a passageway through the bush forts of the realm that led towards that distortion, the release of shadows. The illusion that begins to delude you into thinking that the shadows possess a distinct existence and hearing their voices grow ever louder until it becomes your own voice. And that was something that I had written down and trying to help myself process, but also in uh, just my own practice of writing. And then in, in my therapy sessions, my my counselor, she had me hold out a rock. It's a, it's a, I don't know. I could hold it in my hand. I could grasp it in my hand, you know, close my fingers around it. And as I held it, the, the coldness of the rock began to uh, infiltrate my, my hand. And so I could sense the coldness in my right hand. I had it held out, held out so long as I was considering what my body was feeling 
that my arm began to get really tired, but I didn't want to say anything about that. So I just kept holding it out. Um, and it was a rock that I, that held my worries and, and holding it allowed me to recognize that those worries and fears that they are, that they were outside my body, that the focus became on the rock in my hand rather than in the clenched gut or the tightened chest. That is my typical physiological response. And in most respects, I recognized it as not just outside of my body, but outside of my control. And as my attention and perhaps intention shifted uh, towards focusing on that rock and perhaps and what the signification was, significance was, I dropped the rock and heard it thud on the floor. And there was a sense of freedom that I'm not sure I can put words to. It wasn't just the rock. There were a lot of events that happened that week. And my counselor therapist is just really fantastic. So gentle and genuine. But will nudge me and urge me forward. But there was a sense of freedom that I, I'm just not sure I can put words to my lotus guide recognized it as something new she recognized it as something new something to nurture and return to seeds to water as Thich Nhat Hanh would say of course I asked for the rock I asked if I could take the rock home I have found a new one to give to her um, my lotus guide as the next person that comes in may need to hold a rock and let it go but now I've, I've been debating as to whether this rock that I have now, does it belong in the foundation tower? It's a, it's a much smaller rock than many that are in the foundation tower of stone, but it could certainly fit there. Or is it my own magic rock? Maybe one day I will drop it into the bucket of life and see what massive ripples are created. But of course it belongs in all of those places. It's one. And now it is tea time with Mara. Because as I was holding that rock and sensing that freedom, that peace, that belief that, you know, that this is the way, these seeds of doubt did creep in. Um, these these wanderings of the mind back towards what I should be afraid of, towards what people are going to think as they see me standing in the middle of this room or out on a rock with my hands extended at the river. These seeds of doubt, more of the 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 the, the negativity, return to my mind briefly. And, and urged me to doubt my ability to really lean in, is that a word people still say, to this sense of freedom, to be able to grasp hold of it, to, to believe that this is actually something new, that this is something that is real. And, you know, it's tea time. And I'm, I'm glad to say that I quickly invited that seed of doubt, that belief of doubt in and didn't try to cast 
um, the doubt away, but recognized it as something that has helped me to cope, that has protected me, that has been a part of me for four plus decades. And now, now I can have a conversation about what matters and what doesn't matter with my old friend, doubt. And so it was a good time. I did go down to the river after my session where I dropped the rock and it it was something that I had said, you know, if oftentimes in my therapeutic sessions, it's a, it's a, I I realize that it's a, it's an eclectic approach that um, is used, but in a lot of ways at this time, still, it's a lot of sensory sensory motor stuff going on. And so as I feel the clenched, you know, gut or the the tightened legs or my toes sometimes pull up or, you know, my hands begin to fidget, then I'm, I'm, I'm asked to inquire, to investigate, you know, what, what my body would say to me if it could say. And in this moment of complete freedom or as complete as i have felt in quite some time what my body would say to to me in that moment the words that came out was this is the way because it, it's something that i've read about you know it's something that i've heard other people talk about and perhaps it is something that i experienced a long time ago or in bursts you know here and there but that my body doesn't recognize very quickly that that this sense of peace this sense of freedom is a real thing that it is something that can be experienced that it is experienced by so many and so i just uttered those words this is the way and so as i was down at the river my mind wandered back to that bush fort that I mentioned in the opening um, of this podcast and in episode 46, this bush fort that kind of served as the portal into the, into the darkness, into the world where uh, these, these shadows in a way, like the shadows of me just kind of dispersed. And I use the words bifurcated as though there was just one shadow. And so it's not really, bifurcated i don't know what the word is you know divided you know but what what's what's the multiple of bifurcated but but i've i've been in this infinite loop um mentally i guess and perhaps spiritually or however you want to emotionally all of those types of things physically obviously uh, as it is all one but it's been like this infinite loop i want to go back and watch Doctor Strange, when he is engaged in that infinite loop with the big monster guy. Is that Kang? Anyway, um, where I would come back again to this bush fort and continue to go through the same process, to go through that, that, that portal where things were, were severed, you know, where, where things were dispersed and I became multiple just 
shadows and shadows and shadows, shadows of, of shame and fear and, um, you know, living on the edge, whatever. I've tried to name some of them. But as I was at the river and after this experience of, of holding that rock, after this experience of holding my hands in the air, I'll talk more about that in just a bit, but I just had this sense of being back there at the bush as this kid in that bush fort and going through a different portal now, now as one person, this is the way, into myriad worlds, into myriad portals as one, because I have learned not to take my hands and and perhaps you can do this now, like to put my palms, to put my palms out, like the back of my hand in and wipe away as if I'm swimming kind of the the, the, the breaststroke, like I, I'm not trying to, to brush the shadows aside anymore to get through, to, to move them away. But instead, now my, my palms are, are, are inward in a, in a giant sweeping, hugging motion. I am enveloping and welcoming all of those parts of me, all of those shadows that were, you know, that were, that were more than bifurcated. Um, so many years ago and now as one I can enter into these these beautiful portals with these shadows that are a part of me that are me and so as a whole person I enter again even as a child into that land of glory the sense of wonder returned the first portal I have to admit I entered as I went through this imaginary process. Was it imagination? Was it some type of spiritual endeavor? I I don't know. But the first portal that I entered to was definitely into the land of the talking turtles. Of course, I, I've dabbled in that portal before as well. This is the way. And then as I sat on the rock, not really as worried about snakes behind me, not really as worried about anybody sneaking up on me, if you've listened to the last couple of podcasts. But as I sat on the rock and began to ponder words that I'm familiar with, words that are essential, words that are vital, pivotal, words like, I am the way. And I don't mean to... This is the way that I interpreted it. I'll just say that. The way that I was feeling those words at that time is with the emphasis on the I am. That it's the it's the being. That's what Jesus was able to do. He was able to stay whole. He was able to be sad and be angry and be afraid. And he experienced all of that. But he didn't let it separate him. It didn't let it, it, it didn't divide him. I don't know. This is a conversation to sit and have for hours on my back deck if you want to come by. But, but I just wanted you to understand like that's how I was experiencing it at that point. Like I am is the way. It's it's the name that God gives to us. 
Moses is like, hey, what do I tell them? Who are you? I am. This is the way. Well, perhaps an extended halftime and then a, a very short second half. Today is my dude Isaac's 14th birthday. Uh, so 14 years ago uh, on this day in show, there are no, you know, phenomenal. There are no like uh, out of this world stories. You know, Sam's story is, was wild. Sydney's birth story was wild. Um, Isaac, you know, we, we thought it was time. We went to the doctor. The doctor said, yep, go to the hospital. And we went to the hospital. And even before midnight, Isaac was born. No issues, no complications with anesthesia guys or uh, any of that kind of stuff. It was just uh, our guy was born. Um, Named after a guy who said, tell my father that I died with my face to the enemy. And, you know, more and more, uh, I recognize the courage that my guy Isaac displays so he is definitely living up to his name for for his birthday i wrote him a couple of cards and 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 he won't listen to this podcast before i i give him the card so no worries about spoilers but i came up with 14 things that i believe in i wrote believe and be live because you know but i believe in his vicious forehand the dude is uh an amazing tennis player for a just now 14 year old Um, if he can learn to serve, then people better watch out. But man, that forehand is, is nasty. I believe in his ability and his desire to be friends with so many different kinds of people. He, he, he's, he doesn't run in a click, you know, he just, he just loves all kinds of people, man. He's just so tender. He's tender T. I, I believe in his intellectual abilities man he's smart i mean come on man he's smart i believe in his keen sense of humor and his wit that little smirk always quick i believe how quick he is to serve others i believe in his creativity and his staggering good looks he'll be glad about that one i believe in his chess master skills he's been practicing and he's definitely on a winning streak against me but he needs to know that my queen is coming for him. I believe in his athleticism, especially in Ultimate Frisbee. Watching him play that game is is pretty cool, how he runs around and jumps up and dives and stuff. I believe in how great of a brother he is. Sam and Sid are, are quite lucky to have him as a little bro. I believe in his engineering skills, engineering skills, um, the way that he can tinker and come up with ways to solve problems. Pretty cool. I believe in his culinary expertise. He's he's learning more and more how to cook. I believe in those biceps. He's getting ripped. And I believe in how he loves his mama. I believe in you, Isaac, in your courage and the wonderful man that you are. So happy birthday, my guy. Well, as we stay here in kind of halftime mode, have you guys seen the commercial? Oh, man, which one is it? It's like progressive. I think it's progressive where it's like you don't want to become like your parents. It's that one. 
But it's the guy who, and he's working to be on the elevator, and he sees the girl wearing the Paris shirt. He's like, Paris, huh? A bonjour. And man, that one makes me LOL every time. I love that. Probably because I am that guy. So in just a kind of a, uh, what do you call this? A lightning round here. We'll keep the lightning round going. Um, how about my guy, Chris Holtman? And that's two N's, by the way, H-O-L-T-M-A-N-N. Chris Holtman, the uh, coach at Ohio State basketball. My guy from when he used to coach at Gardner-Webb. I mean, just, dude, he is just, a, he is an awesome man. Like just a, a kind-hearted, I mean, wow, he, he's just a really good guy. And so I pulled for him. I was a, I was a, I pulled for him when he was at Garden Web. Obviously, went to a lot of those games. I pulled for him when he was at Butler. I've got my Butler shirts. Um, and then when he went to Ohio State, I got my Ohio State shirts. And they had a rough regular season, a rough regular season. I mean, rough. And but our route, like they've rallied off three wins in a row here in the Big Ten tournament, and they play Purdue today in the semifinals. So I'll be pulling for him. We watched the movie Inception yesterday. Isaac has been wanting to watch it, and dang, it blew his mind. As it will, I think the thing is wobbling. It's wobbling at the end. I don't know. Will uh, would he would he really let you into his reality though? That's the question. It, and and watching Inception and, and remembering that that's one of my favorite movies got me thinking about my top ten movies, and so that might be something I try to go for next week on episode fifty one. Speaking of that, one that might make it is um, Castaway, maybe. I don't know. We'd have to sit down and see if that would make it into the top ten. But anytime I see the word Bakersfield, I can't remember where I was reading that um, the other day, but I almost wanted to text Sam. I didn't. But anytime I see the word Bakersfield, I say it like Tom Hanks does when he sees that uh, Porta John thing come in after he's been on the Bakersfield. No. I uh I'm back here in my nook and my phone says 912 but my coffee maker clock says 1012 because I already changed my clock and I did it yesterday because why do I have to wait? I want to go ahead and spring forward. So now I'm already in 1012 mode. I'm I'm working towards that already. I slept great last night. I went to bed a little early and slept fairly well. And so I'm not going to lose my hour. And for all y'all that are holding on and going to wait to wake up and you lost your hour in the middle of the night, good luck. Y'all are an hour behind because really right now it's 10, 12. I, you know, we got three kids, man, and I'm not as, I'm not the guy that says if I buy a present that costs $21.63 for one kid, that I've got to buy a present that costs $21.63 for the other kid. I, I don't do it that way. I don't really do it like on days where I'm supposed to. Like I don't buy you a present just because it's your this day or it's that day or whatever. I like to buy people presents. But I do, I mean, I'm conscious. I don't want to like just buy stuff or just get stuff for one kid and not the other, obviously. Um, but but one of the things that, that we're doing that we're doing is setting our kids up with a car. We're a Camry family, okay? And so, you know, I, 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 we had the old blue Camry. We still do. Sydney's driving it right now. It's a 2010. She's driving Stella Blue around as she is 16. 
And then when she turns 18, she'll get the same thing that Sam got because Sam got a 2020 Camry. We bought it basically off the lot. I think it had eight miles on it. And I drove it for a couple of years and then gave it to Sam when he turned 18. So now he's got a solid car that's going to last him for, I mean, a long time. It's a Toyota. It's going to keep working. And so that's the plan. I'm going to get, you know, I got a 2022 Camry when Sam got his. And then when Sydney turns 18, she'll get it. And then so on. I'll get another one. Um, I guess 2025 for Isaac. Probably be electric or something like that. Now, of course, I get to drive it around. I mean, I'm looking pretty smooth in my brand new car here for the first two years. But the issue is is that uh, you know I was going to go to Toyota Gastonia today, but I canceled my appointment so I could sleep a little bit. I'll go next week because it's time for the twenty thousand mile. You know, whatever you get, you get uh, free oil changes, and they rotate the tires and they check it up and all that kind of stuff for the first twenty five thousand. And it took me both. It took me two years to get to twenty. 5,000. In fact, Sam, I think, got the car before that. And so I'm conscious of that because, you know, in one year I've driven Sydney's car, uh, Lizzie, it's the lizard, um, more than, than I drove the Wrangler, which is Sam's car. But part of that is because COVID. I mean, uh, the, the whole part of it is that because we just weren't driving any places. So anyway, I, I know that Sydney's car is going to have a few more Ten thousands of miles on it than Sam's uh, was. I did offer to give her hers when she's seventeen because there's also a three year difference. I don't know that you care about all this kind of stuff, but this is a record. Cindy sent me a picture yesterday with a, a a photo of a little like an encouraging little card that says "I am whole," and it, and in in the caption she said "Gestalt be like." And if you don't know about psychology, if you don't know psychology terms, this doesn't mean anything to you. But if you do know AP psychology terms, then you know that that's, that's funny. And that's really good. And so now we're going to have a meme contest. I'm going to use that and then get the kids to do a meme contest as we enter in our final stages of review. It also made me look up Gestalt Therapy, and maybe I will order that book. I've been sick, man. I got sick the other day. I had the fever, like 102, 101. For about 24 hours, it, it, it kind of jumped back up a little bit last night. I sweated through my shirt, my Ohio State shirt that I was wearing. Then I slept good the rest of the night, so I'm hoping that, that that's all done. I probably went at it a little bit too much yesterday. I was fever-free. I went to school. I didn't get around people, but I, you know, and I was fever-free, and I felt fine, and I coasted through school. I was basically my own sub. Sometimes you got to do that. And, uh, but then I came home and I, I got to scrubbing bathrooms and, and toilets and showers, trying to make sure that, you know, everybody could stay fairly clean. Yeah. Then late last night I, I got the, it wasn't as bad, but, uh, anyway, hopefully, hopefully I'm all over that. But while I was sick, I, I laid in bed all day on Thursday while I definitely was still feverish. And I've been watching this world war two documentary by Ken Burns called the war. And it's super long. I still have several hours left to go. And it's just, it's just floored me. I mean, I'm a history guy, but the, the, the contributions, the sacrifices, the, 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 the horror, I mean, the adventure, the, 
destruction. Like, I don't know. How could you even come up with possible words? It's really impacted me, though, and really made me recognize, like, how pivotal of an event that war was in terms of shaping the world that I live in. It's made me recognize that the idea of America is a real thing. Um, And made me, I don't know, maybe a bit more patriotic. It's not like I was an anti-patriot. But uh, trying to recognize just, just, man, it it was just really something. I I don't know. If you you have several hours and you just want to watch something that will blow your mind, just Ken Burns, the war. It's, golly, it's just really something. And, and it and it did like it got me thinking about the Pledge of Allegiance and and all this kind of stuff. And I looked up the Pledge of Allegiance, and turns out the Pledge of Allegiance in the late eighteen hundreds was written by a Christian socialist minister. His name was Francis Bellamy, and Francis Bellamy wrote the um, Pledge of Allegiance that we have. It didn't have "under God" in it. That didn't get added in until the nineteen fifties, when we had to prove that we were the not godless communists. But Francis Bellamy, a a Christian socialist, wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. He championed the rights of working people and the equal distribution of economic resources, which he believed was inherent in the teachings of Jesus. That is crazy. And so I'm definitely going to start telling everybody that. Because I don't know if if the hardcore right who wants us to say the Pledge of Allegiance every day Do they know that the Pledge of Allegiance was written by a socialist? Because isn't that a word they don't enjoy? Being a bit of a trickster there, eh? I'm probably going to go to the school board on Monday, hopefully, if my voice is working fine. The school board, I mentioned this last week, people have just been so negative. And so I wrote up my speech. Excuse me. (coughs) I wrote up my speech. And I'm going to go up there. and I'm going to say some other stuff. I might share it with you next week fully. One of the things I've been thinking about is how education is the great equalizer. Isn't isn't that what isn't that what we believe? I mean, it's part of the American dream, right? It's in the fabric of the American dream that the education, that public schooling, if you do your thing, if you work hard, then you can rise up above your station, as the words would probably be uttered by an older person. That it's it gives us a sense of humanity. That it teaches us to be really good citizens and offers us practicable skills. But that it it's the great equalizer. No matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, that's the ideal. Now this isn't a fairy tale, I understand that. This is not a fairy tale. Life is not a fairy tale. It doesn't all work out exactly the way we want. So there are definitely people who have bigger obstacles to surmount, for sure. For sure, the deck maybe is stacked against a certain group of people, but we are using that too much these days. We use that excuse too much these days. The American dream, the American idea, it's still a thing. Like, we got to get out of this complacency and and push forward. I don't know. Maybe I've been watching too much World War II. Tell me I'm wrong, though. I don't know. Anyway, I saw some kids down at the river. This has happened twice. Both times, I think, at the river. But I, I was 
passing by, and they're students of mine. So I'm walking, and uh, or at least students at the school. Yeah, they they've been students of mine before. And as I walk by, like they they do the little coy, pretend like they don't see me and sit real still and like hide whatever they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're vaping. I don't know what they're smoking. I don't know what they're doing. I was a kid, you know. I know what kids do. And so, like, I j- I want to tell them. But I just walk by and say, "Hey, what's up?" But I mean, <clears throat> you know, look, this is part of the thing. People are going to make bad decisions. And I'm not saying what they were doing was a bad decision, but but that's a thing. I just want these kids to know, like, I don't judge them. I don't judge them. I just want them to be well. I want them to be whole. Um. So yeah, we got to we got to do that in in public education. We got to get out of this complacency. I, I'm not just talking about students. I'm talking about teachers. I'm talking about administrators. I'm talking about the whole thing. Boards of education. You know, we gotta we gotta move on up. Moving on up. All right, long halftime. Here we go, second half. Not much left to go. I just want to tell you about this new signature that I've drawn. I'm not an artist by any means. You guys know what the wave means to me, the wave of hope. Out of the wave, out of the chaos, a wave appears. So I've been drawing this little wave, and under it, a, a man. It's a, it's a stick man, really with no legs. Um, just a stick man with a little circle head. And two arms kind of curved out, reaching up. Because another thing that I was able to do in the session the other day, besides dropping the rock, was um, I, I just reached my hands to the sky. But but in a motion, like not just holding them up there, but like starting them out lower. It's something I had done at the rock before, even even before, like when I when I was repeating this thing that I want to let go, I want to let go. Like I was reaching my hands to the sky. And and not so much, it, it, it was it is surrender. It is a, a move of surrender, but it's 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 an active move too. It's an, a move of offering. Um, and I've been I've been doing that. Like I've been doing that each time I go down to the rock. I don't much care what people think. They might think I'm doing some type of yoga move, and in a way, I guess it is. But um, whatever it is, you know, when 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 Mara creeps in and, and those seeds of doubt creep in, it's it's an offering. You know, it's a release. It takes me back to that, that sense of freedom that I experienced there. I mean, look, last week I was talking about trying to find step two in the 12 step program, which is the higher power. And I know that I complicate that. It's really not that difficult. It's really, it's really quite simple. My dad has always said the whole thing, you know, which he didn't exactly make up, but he puts it in his own way. Love God, love your neighbor. That's it. You know, whatever it is, we, we get too caught up on names, get caught up on personifications maybe. But this move of surrender, this move of offering to the spirit, to the one, I know that. I'm, a, I'm thrown off, you know, I'm thrown off by the current iteration of the so-called church in a variety of ways. But I know about surrender and I know about offering. And I know about, you know, gladness and goodness. So anyway, my little wave man drawing signature. And and to wrap it up, it's just a new practice. And perhaps 
even a new sponsor as we go, except for the word Wonderwall, I guess has already been taken by Oasis. Wonderwell, maybe? I knew a time. But there are three things that I want to practice on a daily basis that I do fairly well anyway, but that I want to um, I want to be more intentional about. And so in some ways, writing them down um, and perhaps writing them down so that I can talk about them each week. But one is I want to I want to be grateful. I want to have a sense of gratitude, grateful for friends who apologize, you know, or clarify when they think they said a thing that could have perhaps caused, you know, some type of negative reaction or some type of misunderstanding, even when they know that it isn't needed. You know, friends who are willing to do that kind of thing, just to be proactive, just to make sure, not out of guilt, not out of anything other than just pure, I mean, pure, pristine love. I'm grateful for friends like that who we can share a meal with, you know, like who we can share life with. And, man, it's just good stuff. So I appreciate that. I'm grateful for friends who send Sri Lankan cricket team tank tops. How did you know that my guy was a Sri Lankan cricket guy since day one? But you just did, and I'm grateful for that. Or the ones who leave books of poetry on your desk. So gratitude, but also wonder, because it's it's something that's returned. I want to be wonder uh, filled, you know. I want to be filled with wonder. Um, w o n d e r. And I, I I've tried to think about something that is wonderful to me each day. And I've been looking up things like photosynthesis and how these photons from the sun travel eighty three ninety three million miles in six minutes and get soaked up by these cells and these plants and change the electrons. Excuse me. And then it makes this bright green of life in the spring. Amazing. And like creates oxygen and stuff and whatever. Sugar? I don't know. There's some some formula. I was reading about it and even watched the Khan Academy version on it. I was filled with wonder about how the diffuser from our our essential oils... um, diffuser thing like the the steam or whatever that is it was floating down like what is it about the air <clears throat> in that situation where sometimes it'll flow up i don't know i have definitely been in wonder like about things like the production capacity that we had during world war ii the sense of togetherness and unity and and again this isn't a fairy tale I know that the 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 what am I dissemination? There we go. Of information was controlled. Like I know all that. I know that there were there are plenty of issues. Like things weren't beautiful and 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 wonderful in all possible ways. But like Ford Motor Company stopped producing cars and they just started producing these massive airplanes that had million you know over a million parts and they were kicking them out every sixty three minutes. Every 63 minutes. And in a lot of ways, these were women that were doing the work that began to transform the society, that began to lead to all of our belief in rights and equality that we have not achieved. Oh, man, it's just, y'all should watch this thing. I'm telling you, it's called The War, Ken Burns. But I want to have a sense of wonder. 
I want to, I want to not lose the sense of wonder that I get every day when I go to the river or when I look at my kid's face or when I see a great shot in tennis or whatever, whatever it is. So gratitude, wonder, and encouragement. I think it's important to offer encouragement to other people each and every day. And I think if we can be filled with gratitude, be filled with wonder, and then give that out, offer that up to others in encouragement, I think that'll make for a pretty good day. Well, this has been a Church of Six production brought to you by the Bucket of Life. Brought to you by the Wall of Belief. By the Token of Hope. By the Foundation Tower of Stone. And by the Magic Rock. Times two. Nothing divine is desperate. Don't forget to believe, y'all. And be live. Peace, my friends.